three words are broken, process, heal. Welcome back to the Brave Files podcast, friends. This is Heather Vickery, and I hope that 2023 is treating you beautifully so far. As you've already learned in the last episode, I am fully leaning into wintering, and it feels really peaceful. Don't get me wrong. I'm working and loving it. The incubator is in full swing, and this group of individuals is fucking badass. If you're curious and want to know more, hit me up. We can talk about getting you on the wait list because we're going to do an incubator again in August. But other than doing that incredible work, I'm I'm spending a lot of time resting and reevaluating. I'm trusting myself and easing into the year without grind or hustle. My word of the year is surrender, and that is just what I'm doing. And with surrender comes ease and so much less anxiety. And today I'm bringing you a truly fabulous guest who has a somewhat similar approach. Erin Deal often found herself angry and frustrated as a kid because she lacked a tremendous amount of control over her life. Enter the idea that making peace with others and then consequently with herself was within her control. Erin has a creative approach to making peace, finding unique ways to make anything work, and how to enhance the overall human experience. I think you're going to love it, so let's get to it. You're listening to The Brave Files, where we share stories from people who've stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. What we know for sure is that when we choose bravely on purpose— We choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. It's our hope that these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement that enriches both our lives and our communities. The Brave Files is brought to you by Vickery & Co., a success and leadership coaching firm dedicated to helping you build a life and a business that you are absolutely in love with. Vickery & Co. offers group programs, membership communities, one-on-one coaching, VIP days, corporate trainings, workshops, keynote speaking, and so much more. Visit vickeryandco.com to get all the details. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Brave Files. This is Heather Vickery, and I'm excited to have you. We're already having a good time, so I know that the party is going to continue, despite the fact that, you know, not every minute of this episode is we're talking about wonderful things, but we're talking to certainly about wonderful journeys, and life journeys are to be celebrated. And as a young girl who moved several times throughout her childhood, this week's guest, Erin Deal, constantly sought peace and harmony. Well, moving was out of her control. However, making peace with others was within her control. And even as a child, she's like, I can fucking do something about this. Erin specifically found that peace by making people laugh. That led to a career in comedy as well as a lifelong pattern of people-pleasing and perfection. Ouch, y'all, but I can see the path. We're going to hear more about it, but I can see it. Erin continued walking down both of these paths congruently, creating a business called Improv It, or is it Improve It? Improve It? Improve It. You can say it either way. Improve It with Improv. (laughs) 
that helps develop leaders and teams through improv, play, and experiential learning, and the path of least resistance. Do whatever you need to do to make things work, work as hard as you can at it, and do all of it with a smile, making sure everybody else is happy all the time. How many of us can identify with that? Erin, welcome to the Brave Files. Oh my God, Heather. I had to take my coat off because I'm already sweating. And then I got <laughs> chills because I'm like, here we go. She's here doing it. You're go. reading it. And I was like, that's a that's a story. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's I know fine. that story. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you hear it from an outside perspective and you go, Whoa, that person's fucking brave, man. Do they do that? Oh shit, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to hear. I want to hear what happens next. I Time know. will tell. Yeah, no, it's and so we, great to be here and meet you. I'm so thrilled. Oh gosh, I'm so glad to have you here. And we bonded early because you have an you David shirt on. Yeah, and um, I just received a Shit's Creek quote coloring book for my birthday. So. You know, we're simpatico. You oh my me. god! Happy late birthday! And you, you. I, like I said, I want I want you to send me a picture of your first <laughs> coloring page. It's so <laughs> therapeutic. That really is. Like, I have a three year old, and I'll sit and color with him, and I'm just I'm always like, why? Why don't I sit and do this more? Yeah. Because it's just so. It's just like. Uh, a warm cup of tea, but you're yeah. coloring, and yeah. you're coloring David, which is amazing. I love that. I actually want to create. I should reach out to Rachel, who this is. See, this is random. We're going to get to Aaron's interview, y'all. I promise. <laughs> Rachel, who happens to be the friend who gave me the coloring book for my birthday, she and I co-created the Create Brave Cards, which is a manifestation card deck, which is gorgeous. I want to create a coloring book like Brave AF, Grateful AF, Resilient AF. Like all of those fun things and fun sayings, maybe she and I can do that together. Hmm. Yes, I think okay. that's a, I think that's a hell yes, and <laughs> um, I will be your first purchaser. I will buy the first one. Oh, thank you. I love that. All right, okay. So I love your story. I love your energy. I think that we just now have to be best friends because I, agree. I just feel all of that. We're ready. I'm yep. curious. Where in the world are you? So I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. By way of Chicago, so oh hey, oh hey, yes, oh hey, Chi-Town. <laughs> lived there fifteen years, Heather. See, we probably ran into each other at probably. some point. I feel yeah. like we, but I, I moved over the pandemic and now there live closer to the ocean. I had to get out of the cold; it was too much. I, was I feel done. all of I was that. Done. The ocean, yes, I like to be near the water. I love Chicago, and I've now I was born and raised in Indianapolis. Went to college in Ohio and then moved to Chicago right after college, which, by the way, was in 1997. And earlier today, I was in a coaching call with an executive client who was born in 1997. No, no. And see, I can't. I told you this before we had recorded. I'm like, what water are you drinking? Because <laughs> I need that. This is Botox and prayers. Okay, Girl, you, you look can, good. No, Stop. this is no. You're you are crushing it. But I hear you. I know it's scary, and sometimes I, I have I um a lot of my team are Gen Z. I'm an elder millennial. We've got some millennial millennials on the team. And I'm so, all Gen X. Oh my god, I'll all the say, way. Yes. Okay. Well, and I'll say stuff too. I'll be like, okay, don't you remember this? And they're like, no. And no. I, and, I, and so I get it. But it's it is fun. I I told them keep me fresh, keep Granny hip. You know. Oh, keep it's her. all hilarious. Yeah. I have teenage, I have three teenagers and a nine year old. Oh my god. And I swear to God, we're going to get to your interview. But this is fun. We're having fun. This I feels know. like an interview for Was It Chance. This is how we do in my other podcast, which I co-host, and we're just 
just fucking gab for yeah, an hour. Yeah, I could. We could do it. We could. Let's do both. But just, I just have to say this, and then we're going to move into. It. Although you're funny, and that's kind of like your thing. So you know, talking about these younger kids, my 16 year old. It was my partner's birthday the other day as well, and I was like, "Hey, shorty." It's your birthday. I'm not a rapper. And my daughter's like, it's shoddy, mommy. It's not shorty. I was like, yo, it's shorty. She's like, no, it's not. It's shoddy. And I was like, um, why don't you go ahead and look that up for me? Yeah. Because that's my generation. That's and our generation. And she's like, fine. It's it's spelled like shorty, but it's pronounced like shoddy. I'm like, it's just vernacular, babe. It's vernacular. <laughs> it's vernacular. And to that point... I also have made jokes and sent this as a birthday card with that same phrase. Go shorty. And I say shorty. It's sherbet day, like <laughs> sherbet. And they'll be, there you go. There and you, you go. put a little picture of ice cream I on like there. And, it, and it's, it, it's a little, it's a it's pun a, within a pun. It's so a pun. And there's it's many shorty. ways. Yeah, These kids. And it's shorty. It so is. I'm with you, Heather. I'm with you. <laughs> it is a thousand percent okay, shorty. Well, so okay, well, you're, you, you came via Chicago, but you moved a lot as a child. Let's talk a little bit about that. What did I don't know what your home life was was like? Why were you moving so much? Where did you go? All the things. Well, yeah, I had. I'll say this: I had a. My parents are amazing humans. I can't say that I had a rough childhood. It was just a lot of moving due to my dad's work. He worked okay. for the motor industry, so. Um. We ended up kind of moving where the different plants were that he, they made car wires for the big three. Okay. And we ended up going from South Carolina to Georgia. And then I went to a high school in a suburb of Detroit and then sort of went from there to undergrad at Clemson. So every time I moved, it was interesting because I was born in the South at a Southern accent. I moved to Georgia. I got an even thicker accent. I moved to high school in Michigan. Everybody thought my accent was fake. I'm like, no, this is real. I can't fake this. Um, and then when I went to Clemson, people thought I was like the, a Yankee, which is not a great term to say, but people called me that in the South. And so it was really annoying. And then I just developed this voice, which I call it a nasal twang. So that's where we landed. I'm like Fran Drescher on a farm. Okay, so dad's job had you moving around a lot. And what are the ages that you're making all these transitions? Yeah, so 8, 13, 18. Man, those are really prominent mm -hmm. ages. And that awareness at 8, especially for a girl, I've had four 8-year-old girls. Oh, is, my God. You're really just starting to figure out who the fuck you are. And yeah. who you want to be in the world. So at what point were you really clear, like, I hate, I don't like this. I don't want this. I can't control this. What can I do instead? Like, where does that really show up for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me, it was when I was eight, I think that was hard because I had that was my world. That was the only thing I knew mm. until I was eight years old. But then I had just I had actually the place I moved to was a small town in Georgia. I had a set of friends who, I'm just going to say it, Heather, I was I got into some trouble at a young okay. age. Sometimes I was not. Yes, yeah, sometimes. You know, she found, she had a friend with an older sister. She found cigarettes. She found alcohol. She, she might have found the doja. She found a lot of things <laughs> at an early age <laughs> in middle school. And so what was funny was that... I also, we were in middle school, and then we went from 
after seventh grade, you go to junior high and eighth grade. And so when I went to eighth grade, I was like, I'm dropping these friends. I'm done. And I'm finding new friends. And so I got to eighth grade. I made these awesome group of new friends with a couple of the ones from the other group. And I were like, we are leaving this group because one of them was actually really mean, kind of a bully Mm. to us. Mean girls. Mean girls. And I had this a fantastic group of new friends in eighth grade. And then my dad's like, oh, we're moving. And so mm. moved in going into my freshman year of high school. That's so tough. Yeah. And um, luckily moved into a neighborhood where I met my now best friend in the entire world. Oh, yay. And had a group of amazing friends. And But it was really tough because I was... 13 years old. I was going through puberty. I was supposed to get braces again. And I said, no, I'm not. So she went with an overbite. And, you know, it just, it was just a time where I felt a lot of emotions, but I didn't know how to place them. So I just was angry all the time at my parents, Mm. but nice to everybody else. Okay. I I have one of those. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was her. It's the Sorry. third one. Are you, do you have siblings? I have a brother. Yeah, younger brother. Younger brother. Good for you, really, for being the oldest. That's not usually the role the oldest plays. Like, they tend to not get angry. They just stuff it all down. Yeah. And pretend nothing's happening. My my third daughter is angry. <laughs> so you you felt big feelings. You got really angry. What'd you do about it? Yeah. So I was mean at home. I actually yeah. was kind of not nice to my mother in particular. My dad traveled a lot for work and he was a fan he was a very present dad, but he definitely this was like the peak of his career and so he was gone out of the country. Like he was in India, China a lot. Wow. And my my sweet mom, I mean she's an amazing mom. And I just was rude. I was mean. I would yell at her. I would I would be kind and show up at school and be so loving to everyone, which is this people-pleasing that comes into mm-hmm. play. But at home, I was just mad. And it it wasn't always. But I would say my mom and I joke. Like, we look back on my teenage years and we're like, yeah. that yeah. You, I, I don't feel good about it. You know? I don't. I mean, I think teenage girls are – maybe all teenagers, but teenage girls are just sort of mean inherently. And I don't yeah. – mean to be an asshole. Maybe you have a teenage daughter and she's just fucking peaches all the time. But I do think it's fair to say it's really hard. Yeah. It's just hard all the way to be a teenager. It's hard to be a teenager who's having to move. It's hard, the hormones and the learning and the growing and it's confusing and, mm. and as frustrated as I am with my daughters all, all the time. I tried to be really understanding. I tell you, I would not want to go back and do it. No, never. Ever again. No. Well, and no. I don't know for your daughters now, the layer of complexity that social media adds. Absolutely. I don't know if, I'm so grateful. Facebook did not exist till I was yeah. out of college. Like, thank God. And yeah. I don't even know how to navigate that. Yeah. It's not Facebook. Yet. It's it's TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and and listen, I love I love TikTok. I love I have an unhealthy relationship with mm. TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I can see now 
how my kids could literally spend all day on TikTok kids and it just really messes with your brain. You're like, yeah. if I visit if the videos longer than, you know, 60 seconds, you're like, I can't, I can't keep watching. Like you got to scroll and you just next thing you know, it's like four hours later and it's no joke. I have yeah. to be a grown up and like set limits and, um, but I do enjoy it. And I, you know, anyway, all that to say, I think it's hard. And so you're, you're home and you're angry and you're taking it on your mom, which is, you know, maybe because your parents made you move and maybe because you're a normal teenage girl or, I, you know, I don't know. At what point are you cognizant of, well, all of this is out of my control, but I do this well and I can essentially, and to me, I'm going to throw something out there. People pleasing is a brilliant way to manipulate people. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's and, true. And we don't know we're doing it because yep. we think we're pleasing everybody. We think we're solving people's problems before they even know they have them. We think we're fixing everything. But what we're really doing, and I, I am recovering as well, is we're taking away their autonomy, yeah. their free will. We're making yeah. assumptions for people. I could not agree with that more. And I I think for me, it was like, okay, like I you know, mentioned in the bio here, my brave story, I was already going through so much trying to navigate new friendships at this age and trying to navigate home and trying to figure out where is my place in this big school. It was a huge, huge, huge high school. And I think the easiest thing for me to do was, A, to people please, but to also do that in a way where I expressed humor at the yeah. same time. And so, I mean, truly, I humor has been the greatest asset. And it's also one of those things that I use to disassociate from a lot mm. of my emotions. And that I think a lot perfect of... perfect sense. Right. And I realized that today, but it's my go-to. And I even remember my first couple of therapy sessions. My therapist was like, you don't have to be funny in here. And I was like, no, no, no. Like well, this, <laughs> That's my identity. I'm funny. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> and she's like, no, you don't have to like, you don't have to be the show. And I think that's really, as I've kind of gone through a healing journey of my own, Yeah. what I've realized is that I don't. Like even this past week, I just got back from a trip to Charlotte. We were doing a workshop and I guess I used to walk into a room. I don't guess. I know. I would walk into a room and I would see a bunch of people and I would try to feel like I had to talk to everybody and, and I would see this person and I want to make sure they saw me and I acknowledge them. And I'm just done with that. And And I've seen that pattern exist over and over again. And now what I crave is real connection in that room. I want to sit down. I want to talk with you and really hear how you're doing. I don't Mm -hmm. need to say hi or talk to every person to feel like I've shown up. And it's just a different mindset that I'm hopeful continues. And And it will continue because I'm so sick of that other way of living. Yeah. Oh, that's really lovely. And it's a a beautiful form of self-awareness to know that you're disassociating, but also it's just a, it's a hustle, man. It's a grind to have to do that all the time. You know, the pandemic taught me I'm an introvert and I, when, when it became clear to me that I did not miss people Mm -hmm. at all, Mm 
Mm. Whereas, mm. you know, I had friends who were like, oh my God, my partner, like, I just need to go out and see people and do things. I'm like, nah, I'm fine. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's beautiful too. Like you said, it's a self-actualization that yeah. is wonderful to know. So was humor for you, did you, first of all, were you aware at the time or was it only later that you were like, I'm what your therapist said, I'm, I'm making myself the center of attention by being funny. It's I'm disassociating. They don't have to see the real me. Uh, I can control the situation. Did you know it? No, no, no self-awareness at all. Truly. I mean, I look at younger Erin and I want to give her a big hug Mm, and say, girl, you don't have to do that. And my true friends, my really good group of friends, we had real authentic conversations, obviously, but if there was a room of people, I wanted to make sure I was seen and I would do that through humor Mm. or something silly. And, And I just... I know that now, but then it was it was just day to day trying to get through each day, honestly, you know, and yeah. show up in a way where I could go home and feel confident. But I think a lot of that was low self-esteem masked with the gift that I have been given, which I do know is the gift of gab. Like I, I was given that gift, yeah, but I didn't know how to use it correctly until recently. Did you perform? Were you oh, an actor? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dan- I sang, danced, did sketch comedy. I mean, I was always, like, I was voted class clown. Like, I'm telling you, Heather, it runs <laughs> deep. <laughs> it runs deep. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, but I also, like, find, selfishly find joy in making people laugh. Like, I love mm. to laugh. So yeah. I think it's twofold, but it's really interesting to look back on how it started because I I actually haven't done that until the past year of my life, honestly. Mm. So what made you do it? What made you really look into that and reflect on it? Okay. This is where my three words come in. So I experienced extreme chronic pain for the past two and a half, like almost two years. And It was, I went to many doctors, I saw, you know, chiropractors, general practitioners, all the things, x-rays, blood work, all the things, and no one could tell me what was wrong, but it would not go away, and it was day-to-day, I mean, I would go to bed at night sometimes and just cry myself to sleep because my body Mm. was so tense, and I started reading, and I was guided to read a book called When the Body Says No. Mm. And it's all about unprocessed emotions that can manifest themselves into physical pain. So I started, it's almost like, have you seen that show on Netflix with Marie Kondo? Do you know who oh, Marie yeah. Kondo is? Okay. Of course. So you know how she goes in, she organizes homes, she organizes rooms. My favorite is how she organizes drawers. Like, I just love the way she folds things. <laughs> I, I, I adopted it because I'm like, yes, I just want to roll shit. I just want to roll it up and see all my underwear in a line. Satisfying. So, it's satisfying. It, it really is. So <laughs> <laughs> this is how I looked at my brain. Because I started to just realize, like, okay, there's another book that I was guided to from this book called Healing Back Pain. And 
this amazing doctor, Dr. John Sarno, talks about there is a disorder that we have. It's not a back problem. It's a brain problem. And when we have unprocessed emotions, they can manifest themselves into physical chronic ailments. So I started to think about that and realized that my brain was like a closet. And Mm. I needed to... There were all many different drawers. I needed to Marie Kondo the shit out of my brain. So I would open a drawer, which let's just say one drawer was my childhood and moving. And so I would take out what no longer served me, and I would put back in what I wanted to carry with me. And then I would open another drawer, which was years of infertility. And so I would take out what didn't serve me and I'd put it back in. And then I'd take out another drawer, which was the global pandemic, which forced my business to almost go under, which I've worked on my entire, you know, existence and put reprocess that. So it was it was a reorganization of emotions. And I felt so much anger. I felt it went from complete anger and just rage to I literally was so mad one day. I was told I couldn't run anymore, which I love to run. And so I went on a run and I came back home and I bent over in the shower and I heard my lower back, which is not my chronic pain problem, but my lower back popped. Oh my gosh. And so I was literally on my bathroom floor, naked, crying. And my husband came in and found me and I was like, I am broken. Like I am physically and mentally broken and I had to take the day off of work. I should have taken, it was luckily it was like a Thursday. So I just you had should to have like taken kind of, a week off of work. I should probably. have taken a week. Yeah. yeah. And then that started the emotional healing process. And so here's the kicker. The process of healing took time. It was not overnight. It was many weeks. It was many, you know, books yeah. and self-actualization, yeah. but then my pain went away, Heather. I believe you. I, I really, I, I know that these things manifest themselves in crazy ways. Yeah. So it was really, and, and so here's the other thing. The, the pain itself was in my lat muscles, which you think about what you use your lats for. It's picking up heavy things. Sure. And like so I child. realized, exactly. I realized I was picking up so much. And I was, it's not all of my own stuff that I was picking up. I was picking up so many things. And so whenever they start to tense up again, I'll ask myself, what do I need to put down in these moments? What, what, what baggage am I carrying? What things am I carrying that aren't mine? What stuff do I need to let go of that is mine? And it's been a really cool experience, honestly. I feel like I was supposed to go through it to help other people. It sucked. I would never recommend it. I would not suggest. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. (laughs) It was awful. (laughs) But I feel like I had to do it to get to the other side. I I love that. I think I'm going to try to remember it, to use it. I always hear all these amazing things. I'm like, I'm going to do that. And then I forget it. But I hope all of you will remember. Like I... I think that could work for everybody when you feel yourself really tense like now I'm like I'm like cracking my back and trying to stretch it but but this feels heavy what do I need to put down because we feel it maybe you don't feel it in your upper back like Aaron does right but maybe it's in your lower back for me it's often in my lower back or maybe it's on your shoulders or it's in your head or your feet hurt you're carrying something 
that needs to be put down. It's too heavy. And having the awareness that that physical thing is probably more than just that physical thing and taking that exercise is really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, quite, quite the journey, which is that those words, which is broken, then I had to process, and then I had to heal. And if I can add a fourth word, it's help. Mm. Because I feel like I, if I, there would have been many days and hours of of me living my life instead of going to so many doctors, there would be, and I have one of my really close friends is a doctor and I've talked to her about this and she's like, I am so grateful because a lot of people don't realize this. And I understand that's why the medical profession exists, but it's actually a medical professional problem, I think, because I never felt heard because they're constantly churning and burning to try to get people in and out. And she's like, it's a huge problem. It's not okay. Absolutely. It's the medical care system. So yeah. it's I it, it just led me to more and more understanding of healthcare and the problems I think we have here in the US and that's another podcast, Heather, but that's... It is. That's- well, I did an interview when I first started the show. It's been almost five years with a woman named Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she's a doctor who had severe burnout, and she realized I got myself mentally into this situation. I have to figure out how to get myself out of it. And she came up with the seven types of sacred rest, mm. which you probably would really like. Her stuff is super religious, which isn't my particular jam, but it's such great content that I overlook it and it's what works for her. And so there's no judgment, but um, the seven different types of sacred rest are, are really powerful. And it's, I think it ties into that. What do I need to put down? Like, what do I need to do? What kind of rest do I need? Is it sleep or do I need to be creative? Yeah. Is it being creative or do I need to connect with the earth? Is it, you know, like what kind of rest do I need right now? Yes. Yes. And I love that check-in too. That's something I never did. <laughs> Ever. And yeah. I would just, my pattern was disassociation through achievement. I mean, I'm a type three Enneagram achiever. <laughs> like I'm just, give me a checklist. I'm going to get that mother effort done. I'm going to go to town. Like I just disassociated myself and especially through the past five years, just going from infertility to a global pandemic to a move to my mom literally almost died. She had a stroke and it mm-hmm. was just this crazy experience through the pandemic. I just disassociated and sure. I just threw myself into work. And so now I check in and I'm like, well, she might she might need to go get a string cheese before this podcast because she's hungry. There you go. She, she might need to check out, you know, because yep. we just got back from a big trip early today because I'm not going to get work done anyway because I'm so tired. You know, like there's things that yeah. I would just push through, simple things that add up to really big things like burnout. And I have Absolutely. got, I got there and it's, I'm just, I don't want to do it again. No. I'm curious. Do you... Do you, are you familiar with human design? Do you know what your human design type is? I don't know. I need to do that. Oh. So I'm currently getting certified in human design. And it's actually a component that I'm bringing into all of my coaching. It's really changed how I treat myself, how I parent, how I coach, oh. how I engage. 
Because what I love about it, so now I'm going to leave all of you hanging. If you guys want to know about human design, reach out and let yeah. me know. Um, I'm not doing readings. That's not a thing I'm doing. But I am playing with it with people and exploring it so that I can learn more. It helps me a ton with with coaching. Um, but human design is there's nothing to fix. Mm. There's nothing broken. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing to problem solve. It is simply giving you language to understand and live into on how you are innately designed to experience the world and process things. Mm. So now as I hear people talk and as I hear you talk, I'm so curious because we can offer really unique feedback yeah, based on what your struggles are, knowing your human design type. And really it's about forgiving ourselves mm. for all the things that we've always thought we're supposed to be doing that maybe we're not, Yeah, which is really, really cool. So if you want to connect with me later, we can... I sure do. I sure do. Maybe you should come on the Improve It podcast yeah. to discuss. Let's do it. Um, well, let me ask you th- or say something to that point, too. It's really interesting that you said that. F- so I think knowing our personality, knowing different, the way that we're designed, the way that we're, you know, come to be is so important. But I also, the forgiveness piece in that was so huge. And that was a big thing. I was in the beginning of my healing. I was so mad. I was so angry and I was blaming it. Like I thought I had to fix things, right? I was like blaming it on my childhood. I was blaming it on this. I was blaming it on that. And then I realized the person I was the most pissed at was me. Yeah. So there's Forgiveness is the most powerful, underused tool that we all have easy access to. And yes. so much so, and I think this is so wild, my new coaching experience, The Incubator, we have an awareness, forgiveness, surrender exercise at the end of every week's session. Mm. Right? Awareness. What has shown up for you? What do you need to forgive? Is it you? Is it somebody else? What needs to be forgiven? And then let's surrender. Mm. Let's release it. I love that, Heather. Oh, thanks. I love that. It's it's cool. Forgiveness is freedom. Yeah. And it's not about anyone but you. Yes. And yeah. people forget that. And it doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't it doesn't mean you have to you can forgive people and cut them out of your life. You can forgive people and still have strong boundaries. You can forgive people and not allow them to hurt you. But it's about whether or not you want to give them control over what's happening inside your mind and your heart. Oh, my God. So true. It's so true. Yeah. And I, that's such an important piece, too. You don't have to – you can forgive and they don't have to be a big part of your life, which I think was confusing to me at first, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's actually so freeing. Like you said, that word freedom is so imperative because I did a lot of forgiveness through this process and I just don't – it's so wonderful to live a life where you not only love yourself more, but you just feel an inherent love towards others. And that, to me, I read a book as well, lots of books, I called A Return books. to Love, Marianne uh-huh. Williamson. And that book is really what I think this process and this self-evolution was for me, was a return to love of myself because... I can't do the work that I'm put here to do with the patterns of my past. Yeah. And I have to show up differently because 
what what I was doing will not serve me in the long run and it won't serve my family. It won't serve the people in my life because I couldn't serve myself first. So I really think that this whole process I went through was a homecoming to myself. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful statement. I kind of just wanted to like sit inside. It's a homecoming to myself. Goodness. Yeah. It really, it really was. So let's talk about improve it. Like, <laughs> because I think it all, it's interesting and it ties in and, and you had to shift during the pandemic, like the rest of the fucking world. And so how did you end up running your own business and doing this, developing te- leaders and teams through improv and play? Like, how do you go from being the class clown, the funny girl who wants to be the center of attention to doing this? And was there, was there something in between? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Heather, there's like a book that I could write on all the odd-ass jobs I had. I'm talking about, <laughs> I was a costume character with a fan inside of the, the costume. Well, what costume? What character? Oh, it was like a Tamagotchi toy at the okay. Shed Aquarium. So you pro- that's probably how we met before. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, it was me, Heather. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, followed the dog, the national dog dive competition around for a couple of summers as a tour manager for the sponsor. Yeah, that's a job that I had. There were some odd jobs in there and that was my twenties. Okay. So this was, I graduated with a degree in communications, which is every parent's dream. And I was like, English and theater. Yeah. That's the same thing. I was like, I have a degree in bullshit. Exactly. She's going so many places where we have no clue. Um, So, and I was like, I'm going to be Oprah. Like literally I said, I'm going to be Oprah. And that's why I moved to I'm the gay white Oprah. Yes. I I love that. (laughs) Yes. And I said, so truly, like, that's why I moved to Chicago. Cause I was like, I'm gonna, I'm moving to her hometown. Like, I'm gonna be me, you know, and I'm gonna be her in Chicago. And so it worked out that that didn't happen. And I ended up, I had a, you are funny. Yeah. I, had, <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. I had a job at a bar. Now, if you're in Chicago, you'll know this bar. It's really high quality. It's called Duffy's Bar and Grill. I totally know Duffy's. Oh, it's a it is a shithole, and it I love you Duffy's, but it is known for its Jaeger bombs, and it, it's just a hole. It's, In my twenties, I yes. used to go to Duffy's. Oh my god! And see, I was In I Lincoln worked Park. there. I worked yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a free internship at a casting agency, and I was in an off Broadway show for a long time in Chicago too. So there were trajectories around. I think for me, when I look back, it's a puzzle. It literally, every odd job taught me something about what I'm doing now. And so I had to go through this period of just figuring things out. And I really did live, pay- I didn't live paycheck to paycheck. I freelanced. I never asked my family for money. I didn't have a nine to five for about seven years. And then finally, I was like, I need to stop because I traveled a lot. Yeah. I need a full-time job that will allow me to go focus on improv. And so I got that. And it was a beautiful job at a recruiting firm doing sales, which I'd never done before. Um, you were probably pretty good at it, though. Oh, you? my God. But it was it was crazy. I But also people did not like recruiting. 
they did not like staffing firms and they did not like people trying to sell them staffing services. I've learned that very quickly. Legit doors slammed in my face. Yeah. And like physical doors. So <laughs> like I, I literally saw copiers when I first moved to Chicago. So I yes. know that door slammed in face feeling. It sucks so bad, but it like builds so much character. So then I went and I started doing Second City and IO and all of the things. And I really saw all the things that I was doing on stage and in my classes spill over into this career. And I thought, yeah, oh, my God, sure this did. has – yeah, I have to marry these two. And so my boss was actually an amazing human, still a good friend of mine. She was like, you should pilot this program, pun intended, to our client United Airlines. And Shut so, up. Yeah. And so I got to put together some workshops for them. They didn't pay me. And then they started paying me. And then I said, this is going to be a thing. I'm going to make this happen. And I knew it was bigger than me. I didn't want it to just be me. And so put together a team of people. And then I left that full-time job in 2015. And we now have 22 facilitators between New York, Chicago, LA, internal team of six. I barely do workshops anymore. I'm stepping more into the keynote side. Yeah, you are. I'll and, bet you're fucking great on stage. Oh, Heather, I love you. I That's been its own journey. It's <laughs> it always with, is. It, it comes with some fails. It comes with, you gotta, it's like comedy. You gotta do the stinkers to get Are you to in the, the void right now? That's what I call the space in between who you used to be and not yet who you're going to be. Because I think if you've got one foot in, oh, I used to be the workshop facilitator, but it's my baby and I'm the lead. And now I'm moving into keynote speaking, but boy, it's really hard to get my foot out of there. And that's who, that's exactly who I have in my incubator. So I told him like, oh, Aaron's on the void. <laughs> that is a thousand percent where yeah. I am. And yeah. I just did a workshop yesterday, actually, because it's like a client that we've had for years. And I just was like, let me go do it. But truly, I have done as I have done way less this year. And I'm stepping in. I am totally in that void. It's one foot is still in, but I need both feet out. And I'm just 2023. I'm jumping two feet in. Go. Bro, and, you should come join my incubator. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yes. There's so many things I'm getting out of this conversation. I'm we're, I'm doing human design. We're I'm doing joining all an it. I'm getting Heather on the podcast. We're doing the incubator. But no, I. It's it's a scary. It's almost like yeah. starting a new business within a business. Yes, is how it feels. It, it well, it really is. It, yeah. it is. You'll be able to use, and I love that you said that. All of those other odd jobs and experiences taught you something. They laid that foundation. You've been able to parlay all of those lessons and skills into something else, and you're going to do the same thing again. Yeah. Because that's what you do. And you have, it's funny, when I ask you, like, what was in between, and you kind of giggled and you shared some of those odd jobs. I think you are, you just have the entrepreneurial spirit. And I could tell right away, I was like, this girl did not graduate college and go to her nine to five. Like, no. There's, you, you know, you explore and you learn, and then sometimes, the universe kicks you in the ass and you're like, let me get this real job. Been there, done all of that. Oh right. But but you have that fire. And I think people have it or they don't. And it's fine if you don't have it, if you're not into yeah. it. But it's quite a thing to explore because we're like, we see the big picture and we're, and we're there's so many moving parts. And also we're alone. And yeah. also there's not consistent income. And also, Ugh. you know, like community and people who get it and then you have your team yeah who you love but they're not your contemporary right right 
So it's a real struggle. It's such your the struggle is real, and that's so funny. I want to quote twenty three year old Erin. This was twenty three year old. She Let's was do like, it. "Let's hear it." I will not work for the man. I like yeah, literally girl. said that, and I I truly like that was my mindset. I refused until I ha- until I really wanted to go and do comedy, and I was like, I guess I need a job that will during the daytime that will allow me to do comedy at night, and 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 to tell you that too, like you're so right with entrepreneurship and i really do think to quote kim kardashian i was born <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't expecting that one yeah. actually okay yeah. uh-uh. i was born to do this and i really and and that <laughs> she said that she said a lot of things she said that but it is it's like you have it or you don't and i really don't think i'm ever supposed to work i, I mean at this point in life i will never be able no way. to go yeah. back no ever Mm-mm. and it's for the people that aren't entrepreneurs, like we need both, you know, and yeah. this is the world that I feel like I was called to do. It's just, yeah, you're right, though. It is lonely. It's hard at times. And you said you like you said you have your team and they feel what you're going through, but they don't really feel what you're yeah. going through because they can't. There's just no, no. way. No, they they really can, and you want to be as as authentic and transparent as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do this with the leaders that you take through your program, and with, with my executive clients, the same. Like you want to be honest that you don't have all the answers. Sometimes you struggle because that gives them permission to do the same thing, and and we all grow from that. Yes, but it's just different experiences, and I just I love. I just I love it. I love it for you. you you're going to be fine, but you are. You're reinventing. Lots of clarity coming your your oh, way. Oh, yeah. How did you transition your business when the pandemic hit? Because you did all of this in person, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. It yeah. was – there was a lot of wine. There was a lot of <laughs> tears. No, honest – and, like, in a real vulnerable way, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But at the same time, I also look at it like – the great pause. I had never stopped Absolutely. in the six years so of building many of us. it. Yeah. yeah. And I it was like senior year of high school looking at my yearbook and seeing pictures of the things we had done and the accomplishments. And they never sunk in for me yeah. until that moment. Like I never took a step back to reflect on what we've built. I just we had I had just finished uh the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program at the end of 2018. Then I got pregnant in 2019, but we were executing against the growth plan. I came back to work basically a month before 2020, and then it was Whoa. three months, and then a boom, right? And when I tell you it was the craziest time, we went from completely in person, one of the best years we were supposed to have, to contracts being pulled and destroyed, to basically trying to we could not pay people to come to our first virtual workshop we were literally like come for free we'll give you five dollars stipend to starbucks like it's truly and nobody was like everyone's like no we're figuring our own shit we don't have time and so it took about a couple months until we were finally people were saying okay our intern program is definitely virtual what do you have you know this summer we're using our emerging leader program it's completely virtual what can you do and so we built the business on virtual work through 2020 and we got the paid protection program loan thank god both times and we just sat and waited and worked virtually until the world came back and i knew and my dad is also a business owner and he said here's what you have to do you have to stay top of mind these two years 
Market yourself so when the world comes back, you will be the first thing on their mind. And it happened. He was right. And it it, it definitely, when we're seeing so many people wanting to be in person, off-sites, conferences, all of that, we came back this year and it's been the best year we've ever had because we also have the combo, both virtual and in person. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody, I mean, some people fully pivoted to the virtual and they're like, never going back. Yeah. I can appreciate virtual a lot, but there's something that happens when you're live in a room that you cannot replace. Agreed. No matter what. Agreed. Yeah. And I love, like, the fact that we were virtual allowed me to move to Charleston and move across the country. And that, I think, was a very big blessing. But I love being in a room of people and watching them shift energetically. There's just nothing like it, like you said. There's nothing like it. Why is this work important? Oh, it's so important. Before the pandemic, we all wore masks to work. All of us. And just different masks. Just different masks. Just <laughs> the hypothetical. Kind you can't see. Yep. <laughs> and I know that's pun on pun there, but it is so true and I have seen this time and time again when leaders or people at in an organization or a team or whatever, collective group of people take those masks, those hypothetical masks off, and they allow themselves to connect in a way that brings laughter, that brings levity and positivity to work. And they allow themselves to immerse in play. Mm. That's when transformation happens. That's when true connections happen. That's when people postpone judgment because they're just so focused on the good. That's when people feel seen, heard, and valued because they're actually listened to. So improv as a teaching tool is the most magical teaching tool that I know that doesn't just show or I'm sorry, it doesn't just tell people mm-hmm. how to change. It shows them how to change because they're experiencing it and feeling it. And then that feeling is what they'll remember the next time they want to shut someone down or they want to put on the I'm at work robot mask and not and have a transactional interaction versus a relational interaction. And it's just it's just a beautiful art form. I love that. And I totally agree with all of it. And it's a really fun, unique way to do it. It's probably super, super uncomfortable for an awful lot of people. But then that reminds you that you're brave. You can do hard things. You can be uncomfortable. It's not going to kill you. Yep. It's just going to make you uncomfortable. And when you come out, you're going to be different. That's it. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. I do a program called Empowerment. In corporations. So it's the other leg. I work mostly with entrepreneurs and I have this leg, this very small corporate leg. And um, I do this same brave method, you know, be, be your truest self thing in the corporate environment. So it's that same sort of disruption that you're doing. And and they're sometimes like, oh, I can't believe my company is paying for me to do this, to right? have this experience. But business as usual is not business as usual anymore. And if they're going to stay over there, they're not going to grow because culture is shifting towards what you're doing and what I'm doing. And and people are ready to step out behind that, get out of that mask that, that you're talking about. I yes. love that. 
Yes. Thank you. And I love what you're doing. I think it's so important. And it's all it's all about enhancing the human experience because we all go to work and we all are at work way longer than when we're with our families. And I think it's truly about investing that time into ourselves and to our employees and to our teams because when we invest that time into them, they can give to so many other people. They can help your clients. They can help the bottom line by helping your clients. They help. It Absolutely. literally helps everything if your people are happy first. Absolutely. Everything. Everybody's happier and everybody makes more money. Yes. 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 Fuck yes. I love yes. it. Well, that feels like a really great time. It sounds like a great time to ask you about celebration because there's a lot in that to celebrate. And in the work that you do and the change that you see in your self-awareness and your healing and and taking this leap to get out of the void and move into this next phase of who Aaron Deal is, all of that. How do you like to celebrate? Mm. So that's a really great question. So I actually, there's a, a phrase that I go to constantly, no risk, no champagne. Whoop. Yep. Yep. So I have really nice bottles of champagne in my fridge. And so one of them is labeled first keynote. So the first keynote that paid my full fee, I got to open it up with my husband and my best friend. And we just like, I savored every sip of that thing. I was like, yes. And it was so fun to share it with them. And it was so cool because that fee and that first keynote that was booked, I'm going to tell you, there were some flops in the actual actual um of course there were you know because new things are hard yes but the fact that i knew that that was what i was worth the fact that i stayed true to that the fact that i know so much more of that is coming i just have to lean into it was the most empowering thing so i have another bottle in there (laughs) <laughs> for the next big conference that we book. And that's really where I'm, I'm going to keep buying nice bottles and drink them Dude, all the time. I love that. Yeah. So it's like a champagne version of a vision board. Yes! And it's right, right as it front and center and the bottle's there and it has... I'm going to tell my partner about that. She's going to yes! love that. Yes, and I write I am it. here for that. Yes, I have a little like blue sheet of like paint tape with a Sharpie on it, like... Keynote, because I've I've actually got a really cool thing that I'm waiting to come through. And so it says the specific name. I'm not going to say it out loud because, you know, but I've got, it's coming. And so literally it's coming. And so it's got the name of it on there. And I'm like, okay, when this books, popping it. And so no risk, no champagne. That's my, that's my celebration. I'm going to keep it up. I love it. Yes. Keep it up. And I hope so many people just decide to adopt that. And think yes. of Aaron when you do it, because that is really, really fun. I love it so much. Will you share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Broken, process, healing. Yeah. And you shared really in depth where you came up with them. I love them. This was for you specifically with your physical and emotional journey. But I, f- I see this even in in your work. Like the corporate system is fucking broken, you take them through this new process, they come out healed um, or or oh, healing. Oh, my God, Heather. I just got chills. Chills. <laughs> I just got chills. I just went back to the South and I it just got chills. No, that's so. Wow. You're really good at your job. Oh. Everyone hire Heather now. <laughs> 
know what I am oh really God. good at my job. You um, are. That I will. Just took I will me. claim that. Uh, it's not for everyone, but for people who are ready to do real fucking work, we do real powerful shit. But I, but you do, and I love that, and it's nice to see that and own it. And I just think you are magic. Thank you. I think you are fucking magic. I love saying that. I, I just think that. The world needs more light workers. You're a light worker. You just are. You're doing great work for the world. You're here to empower people. So kudos to you for this podcast, for showing people how to be brave. Thanks for showing me that full circle moment. That really blew my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I'm like, wow, yes, that's it. And now I have to figure out how to market and put that into writing. <laughs> yeah. That is beautiful. Good. That Go was beautiful. It. I love it. Well, before I let you go, I get to ask you a question that I feel really passionate about, which is what's your favorite charitable organization to support? Yeah, I love this. And I'll tell you this, Improve It was built on a foundation of philanthropy. And I hate to say this, but we got away from it in the pandemic. So I'm going to share an organization that we we have two organizations that we were supporting prior to. One is Girl Forward, um, which is a local organization in Chicago, which helps young women and refugee women find just empowerment opportunities in groups and communities within each other. And so I love Girl Forward. If you can look at them in the Chicago area or just anywhere, they're a fantastic, fantastic organization. And then um, another organization I love that has a chapter in Charlotte, I got to take two. I got to say two because they're about okay. girl, young girls. It's, okay. it's called Girls Rock. Okay. And, um, I like the theme. Yes. And they use music to empower young women uh, to be their best selves and to show up with confidence. And they have a local chapter in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I think they have them all over the U.S. But it's a, those two really, really just stand out to me. I love helping young women show up and be brave, and which is what you're all about. I love that. That's so cool. That's beautiful. So folks, you know the drill. Get to know them. Share them on social media. Connect, like if you've got time, money, if you want to refer them to somebody else. Listen, y'all, we are in this together. Whether or not we want to be, here we are. And so when we choose to collectively come together to make a difference, we fucking do it. So let's do it. Yeah, let's fucking do it, Heather. This is awesome. Erin, how can people find you? You've got a podcast they can listen to. If they've got a company who wants to hire you or or what else, if they're looking for speakers, tell them. Tell them all the good stuff. Yes, you are the best. Well, Heather's going to come on the show. It's called the Improve It Podcast. So check it out wherever you listen to pods. And we talk about improv and how it can help you be your best self. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Erin Deal, at Improve It, the only one. And then my Instagram is at keeping it real deal. It's a lot of words. There's no G. Keeping it real deal. Okay. Keeping, it's like keeping K E E P I N I T real. Real. Deal is spelled D E I H L. D I E H L. Yep. Yep. Jesus. Nailed it. I didn't even say And it then right. I know. And then our website's learn to improve it.com. D I E H L. Big deal. Big deal. But yeah, you can check out our website, learn to improve it.com. And I would love to be your keynote speaker at your next event. Plug. So I can drink yes, more champagne. Y'all. More champagne. We need drink, more champagne. She wants to drink more champagne. I like it. I love it. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with us today, sharing your joy, your energy, and your process, your broken process heal 
process. Bring it. Full circle. I Full love it. Full circle. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We had fun, right? This is a lot of fun. And I want to hear what showed up for you. If something really connected, if it made you laugh, if it made you think, if it made you feel something, please tell us. The best way to do that is by rating and reviewing the podcast. Wherever you're listening, subscribe. Tell us that you love us because it makes me feel better and also it helps other people find us. If you are moved by any of the free content I put out, like the podcast, like the weekly Brave in Action live show, and you want to support this mission, you can say thanks by buying me a coffee. I know, it's a, it's a not really a coffee, but I save it and eventually it all goes to the local coffee shop, let's be honest. Uh, you can say thanks by visiting vickeryandco.com slash say thanks. I appreciate it. I love you. I'm so proud to be on this journey with you. This is Heather Vickery. And until we get a chance to talk again, I'm reminding you today and every day to go out and choose bravely. Bye now. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. Visit us at thebravefilespodcast.com to learn more about the show, find our show notes, and access full episode transcripts. And we'd love to know what you think of the show. We invite you to connect with us via Instagram and send a DM. You'll find us at The Brave Files Podcast on Instagram. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom-delivered soundtracks. Special thanks to everyone on Team Brave, from our audio engineer to our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. The show wouldn't exist without them, and we are eternally grateful. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in.